0: Don't you have anything relevant to say? Don't ask me. I'm just a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Willy Wonka wasn't the only one with a glass elevator. I'm Jarrah Hodge. Hysteria, aka Tired of Male Bullshit. I'm Deanna Ogle.
1: Sexism.
2: It's a broad topic. I'm
1: Dr. Jenna, and this is Caustic Soda.
3: It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! it's time to set the mics up it's time for tales of woe it's time to take the red pill on the caustic soda show it's time to do our research unless your name is joe it's time to load the wiki on the caustic soda show to introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you... Deanna, Dr. Jenna. But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational Strapping for the plastic soda show!
1: Sexism 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 My, we must have had quite a weekend I feel like our voices are slightly different than normal Really? Well, as uh, everyone may have finally realized, uh, this is a special episode where us women have taken over the studio. I'm not sure exactly where we've tied up the men, but they're somewhere. Dun dun dun. In order to talk about sexism. Sexism. So, sex is from the Latin sexus, meaning a state of being, either male or female. Pretty straightforward sexism 1965 on the model of racist uh coined by pauline m leet director of special programs at franklin and marshall college pennsylvania in a speech circulated in mimeograph among feminists
2: heterophobia fear of the opposite sex or sexophobia gynophobia or gynophobia Fear of women. See, I really would have picked that as fear of gynecologists, which is a legitimate
1: fear. And seems to be pretty prevalent among the female population.
0: I like sexophobia because to me, I thought it was like fear of saxophones. Ah, (laughs) also good. There's been a lot of crimes committed by the sax.
1: (laughs) Just to make it clear so that the, the guys, when we finally do untie them, aren't going to do us any bodily harm we'll uh let everybody know what we won't be covering in this episode so uh there will be a future episode on human trafficking so we won't be covering any of that there the guys already did an episode on witches and there will be a future episode episode on witch hunts uh foot binding was already covered in the pride episode transphobia was previously discussed in the hate crimes episode uh acid throwing was covered in the acid episode and uh, fashion will be its own episode, as well as prostitution.
0: Or a sex trade. Or I a sex also park. believe that they did or are doing a Gamergate episode, and I don't see that in the list, but just thought I'd mention it. We're covering sexism outside of those topics. So uh, just to make it
1: clear who we're talking to here, let's do some introductions and work around the table.
2: So my name is Deanna Ogle. I've worked in anti-violence organizations for over 15 years, and I've been a feminist since I was 13, and I became a feminist when I looked the definition up in the dictionary and I thought hey that makes sense.
1: So is that when you became a feminist or when you realized you were a feminist by reading the definition by which you already defined yourself?
2: No I think at that point I was like oh this is a thing and I want in on that thing.
1: So previous to that it was all like I plan on being in the kitchen in heels for the rest of my life.
2: I feel like you can be in the kitchen in heels and still be a feminist. Well this is true (laughs) because I've done all those things.
1: (laughs) And I'm Dr. Jenna, usually called Dr. Jenna Kappa Mochaccino, also known as Mocha. And I am a female with ovaries and uterus and everything and was a bench scientist for several years and now work in the corporate world.
0: I'm Jarrah Hodge and uh, I'm the founder of the feminist blog gender focus um, which was named the best social justice and activism blog in the 2014 blog award or Canadian web blog awards and I also um, have a strong sub-interest in feminism and gender issues in Star Trek, so I write a secondary blog called Trekkie Feminist, and I also write for the Mary Sue Bitch Magazine, uh, the Huffington Post, Vancouver Observer, and I've written for the Taiyi and Rabble as well. Bare Bones, what is sexism? Prejudice or discrimination based on sex, especially discrimination against women. It also refers to behavior, conditions, or attitudes that foster stereotypes of social roles based on sex. It's important to note that sexism can be individual, Uh, for example, someone using a sexist slur, or systemic. So systemic sexism refers to the conventional practices or institutional structures that have the effect of excluding or discriminating against women. For example, the pink tax on women's products and services. So I don't know if you guys know, but basically everything women buy, from razors to dry cleaning to health insurance, costs more than for men. And there's also double standards um, that make it, for example, harder for women to succeed in politics.
1: I feel that that's a really important public service announcement, especially when it comes to things like razors. I mean, it looks like a lot more tech goes into men's razors. So if they're spending more on women's razors, maybe, you know, that's an important
0: little life hack to be aware of. I feel like women's razors always come with one less blade than men's razors. But they're pink or purple. Yeah, and they have like aloe and vitamin E for our skin. Yeah, that's probably the where the money difference comes in. So, the concept of equality between the sexes, as opposed to women being valued differently for different qualities, uh, for feminine qualities in Western society, wasn't really popularized until the 20th century when writers such as Simone de Beauvoir began to challenge the notion of women's inferiority and non personhood. Scientists like Marie Curie and Margaret Mead, figures like Eleanor Roosevelt and Amelia Earhart, challenged prevailing limits on what it means to be a woman. Of course, for many racialized women, women in same gender relationships, and working class women, what it meant to be a woman has been defined differently than for middle or upper class women. For every Eleanor Roosevelt presenting to the UN, there have been thousands of women working to support their families or themselves.
2: Okay, newsflash, guys: yes.
0: sexism is everywhere. Yeah,
2: uh, still Wait, a thing. Here, here in <laughs> yes. this room,
0: in this room. Oh goddamn! It's me, isn't it? It's all of us. <laughs> Of course, gender equality has not been achieved anywhere, and equality for women is still opposed by some conservatives, even some women who have benefited from increased equality, um, some famous examples being women like Phyllis Schlafly or Ann Coulter. Um, So why would we think that would happen? Well, we get to a concept called internalized sexism, uh, which is a concept that recognizes the effect on many women of living in a sexist culture. Women endorse. Yeah, Basically, it refers to the involuntary internalization by women of the sexist messages that they that are present in their societies, which leads them to reinforce sexism by reproducing sexist messages and patterns that they've internalized. And in the case of, you know, women like Ann Coulter, I'd also argue that just their status as a uh, white woman from a privileged background, that makes means that it's actually like less risky for them to reinforce the system and to try to profit within it than it is for them to actually try to challenge the system. <clears throat>
2: Do we have a definition of feminism?
0: Man-hating. Just kidding.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, I think we are also maybe talk about what feminism is since I brought it up, but there is no one single definition of feminism. So I think if we were to go around the room, each of us would have a different definition of what feminism looks like for us. And I think a rough guide of what feminism is or what is a movement for equality. So looking at how can we advance women's equality, address issues that impact women. So looking at how uh, different oppressions intersect, like racism, ableism, heterosexism, which we will get into for sure,
0: and and to change that, to change the system. So it connects with action as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, the definition that Um, is just my personal preference is uh, bell hooks definition from feminism is for everybody which is feminism is a movement to end sexism sexist exploitation and oppression Um, because it does really get at that idea that it's not just gender oppression that affects women but other forms of oppression that intersect
2: when i was working in women's organizations i was working for feminist organizations and one of the things that we would have to do in every job interview is say to each interviewee how do you define feminism and the answers were hilarious. Did
1: anyone just say the F word? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wish. I, I would
1: have gotten the job, right?
2: <laughs> totally. My favorites were when people started off with, well, I shaved my armpits. Yeah.
1: It's, well, everyone uh, knows that, that hair... Hair is very feminist. And so if you shave... The more hair,
0: the better.
2: Shaving that
1: hair is really like decreasing the overall feminism. But I guess if they had enough head hair to balance out the equation, then you Uh could reasonably make the argument that they still have enough feminism sort of on their body. In, in mm-hmm. hair form, fi- fibril form, we'll call it, um, that they're able to call themselves a feminist.
0: And armpits are the site of equality, as we all know. Yes. Also, uh, lacking a sense of humor, I understand, is a very important component of feminism. <laughs> <laughs> the other definition that we would often get is well, I don't burn my bra, <laughs> which is my unless It's
1: really cold.
0: <laughs> i yeah i mean i often fantasize about a usb powered bra warming system oh yeah <laughs> oh
1: yeah i recently had a baby and have been breastfeeding and um, i have Raynaud's syndrome which is a creates symptoms of the circulatory system that basically create a lot of pain if it's cold and i didn't know this until i was breastfeeding especially in the nipples and nursing mothers oh. so i'd have to uh, would have been very very happy to be have a burning bra to put on <laughs> following breastfeeding at night so that i could go to sleep with stabbing pain in my nipples
0: I think that makes me
1: a feminist
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why the feminists burn their bras (laughs) except for they actually didn't fun fact (laughs) So I think we briefly skipped heterosexism. One more definition before we get into the facts and fun stuff. Uh, Heterosexism is a system of attitudes, bias, and discrimination in favor of opposite sex, sexuality, and relationships.
1: But those are the only kind, right?
0: No, not really. Uh, It can include the presumption that other people are heterosexual or that opposite sex attractions and relationships are the only norm and therefore superior. It's like things where you assume that you know if you put women in a military group that there's going to be fraternization cuz everyone is straight and just like can't resist or having opposite sex attractions
2: it's also been, like, when I've walked into places with my partner and people have been, oh, that's your sister. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I do not do that with my sister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just like that scene in Rent.
2: <laughs> that's
1: a whole different episode. Yep. Just, so, I, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure I'm buying this whole sexisms all around binness.
0: Can I get some examples, ladies? Health insurance plans sometimes cover Viagra, so older men can still get their penises hard, but they do not cover birth control or necessary medical procedures, such as emergency abortions. So it's important that the guy be able to get the woman pregnant in heterosexual relationships, but not that the woman can control her side of the equation. She can control it by keeping her legs shut. Oh, In 2014, an Angus Reid survey
2: indicated that 43% of Canadian women said they'd been sexually harassed at work, compared to 12% of men. Three-quarters of these women said the harassment was more than a one-time incident.
0: Women have historically not been allowed to serve in combat infantry in the U.S., a position that has never been considered by the Supreme Court. The U.S. military also has different physical fitness standards for males and females, both of which the U.S. Marine Corps is starting to undo. In Canada, there's a restriction on physical requirements for work in that the tests must be related to the work required of that position.
2: So what that means is that you can't set up a a test for a workplace um, that isn't actually re- directly related to the work. So some of the tests that they use in the U.S. military wouldn't necessarily be possible in Canada.
0: That's true, but there is actually um, I know in the uh, fire departments, because there's been an effort to get more female firefighters despite like rampant harassment, um, that they uh, have actually looked at in some departments in Canada making different tests to allow women to qualify. And there's a lot of pushback from that also from women who have are serving in those forces because they feel like it legitimates the harassment against the women because the men have like a more of a reason to resent them it's a challenge
2: there's no easy answer ladies
0: so even in progressive and liberal nations, women still do not earn equal pay for the same job as men. Of course, there are abundance of apparently biological explanations why the women aren't worth as much as the men in these positions, and thus the man should earn more than the woman. But to be fair, these apologist arguments are typically only presented by the most dedicated of anti-feminists. Not
2: only do, we do does our stuff cost more, we make less. Mm-hmm. Oh. Aww. Stop buying the pink <laughs> razors. Because we all know not shaving will get you to equality.
1: (laughs) Or at least make you a feminist.
2: (laughs) There's even a pay gap in kids' allowances. Starts young. New University of Michigan research suggests girls are doing more chores for less pay. The study found girls are doing two hours more chores on average each week, while boys are spending twice as much time playing. Boys were also 15% more likely than girls to be paid for their chores. And even though the vast majority of babysitters are girls, boys get paid higher hourly rates for babysitting.
1: This strikes me that we need a series of books for different ages, starting with those like little touch books for infants, all the way through (laughs) toddler picture books, and then you know preteen books of the lean in variety. Mm. Because I know my brother, this is probably very true for our house poll, but it was just because I would say like, "Mm, okay, uh huh, will do. And my brother would just do everything he could to get out of stuff while still getting the benefit. So I feel like part of this, we need to teach our young children how to coerce their parents more into giving them more money for less work.
0: It's never too early to tell a baby girl to lean in. Like, I mean, forget if they can even hold their head up. (laughs)
1: Hey, they're leaning already. Yeah, (laughs) They're halfway there. We just train them out of it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Um, And actually, that uh, the thing about boys getting paid higher hourly rates for babysitting, um, that's a concept called the glass elevator, which is not just that there's a glass ceiling preventing women from getting to where men are, there's actually an elevator that are letting men pass the women in um, professions that are female dominated. So babysitting, but also um, libraries, social work, um, other um, professions that are dominated by women, men tend to elevate faster and make more money in management positions. Um, So then there's the belief that men are better at science and math, while women are naturally better at communication and caregiving. Where really women are just better at all of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers thing. The Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in high heels. So this difference um, between about math versus communication does not appear to be a biological scientific reality, but in a society that holds sexist beliefs, the reality is created. Boys and girls are educated differently on subtle levels, which reinforces the sexist myth. Published material by women academics is less frequently cited than comparable publications by male academics. I'm getting more convinced
1: that we might have some sexism within these four walls, a terrifying concept. And now, just to sort of put the nail in the coffin, I have a pop quiz for you. Oh dunes. my gosh.
0: <laughs> I don't know you if guys, my, I'm excited. I don't know if my lady brain can handle this. So. Keep your
1: uterus in place. Let's not have hysteria yet. <laughs> the object of the game is guess the year. However, if you think something's pretty ancient, we'll take like either decades or centuries. Uh, so you can just use your judgment on what you're guessing for. Awesome. Sixty-six thousand women in England and Wales had been subjected to female genital mutilation. Guess the year.
2: Now.
0: <laughs> the
1: fourteen hundreds. Okay. Two thousand one. So, Deanna. Yes. Unless, Unless
0: this was Price's Right, in which <laughs> case I
1: would win. <laughs> All right. A doctor named Gendron suggested that ovulation controlled menstruation. Gendrin? G-E-N-D-R-I-N. 1765. 1912. Right in the middle, the mid-1800s. So in the 1800s, we learned the menstruation cycle that women experience had something to do with ovulation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that our our dear medical doctors caught up to us. That was fantastic. (laughs) So women were allowed to register for the Boston Marathon. Oh, this is like
2: 1996. No, this was the 70s, I think, because I remember the photo of the woman running in the Boston Marathon and she is wearing a full on 70s sweatsuit. <laughs> I love it when fashion dictates
1: our historical memory and it's indeed 1972. Oh, okay. So the marathon started in 1897. The first woman actually finished in 1966, but it was unofficial because she wasn't mm. allowed to actually register. Um, until 1972.
2: Okay, yeah, the photo is crazy. I don't know if mm-hmm. folks have seen it, where like folks are physically trying to rip that woman, like grab her and pull her out of the marathon. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you guys are and runners. Pre sports bra, <laughs> pre sports bra. That lady is tough.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you guys are runners, but for me, I find people physically holding me back really helpful when trying to run long distances. <laughs> It's like a physical depiction of uh, sexism. A law was passed in Great Britain that made it illegal for women to, quote, cause a nuisance with abusive or argumentative language for which they could be punished by wearing a scolds bridle, which is a metal
0: cage that fitted onto the head with a metal spike to hold the tongue down. Uh, I'm going to hope this was no later than 1575. 1575. I'm going to go earlier. I'm going to price this right, this one, and go into the 1400s. I hope
1: I win a new car. You are remarkably close. Uh, It's 1585. (laughs) Wait for it. The aforementioned law against scolding was repealed
0: uh well. so i can scold people now well you can do it without wearing a scold's bridle <laughs> <laughs> that's good generally you know you need your tongue free to scold people so when was the law repealed oh uh, 1985
2: i'm gonna hope that the suffragettes suffragettes were involved in this one and i'm gonna say it was repealed in 1920s 1967 okay oh. so
1: jerry you've got it closer so worldwide, 49% of abortions were defined by the WHO as unsafe, defined as performed by an individual lacking the necessary skills or in an environment that does not conform to minimal medical standards or both.
0: 2014?
2: We can't both say now. <laughs>
1: Twenty fourteen. Okay, I'll, I'll make an exception. You can both say now. It's, it's essentially now. It's 2008 when this that was, um, was collected, but half. Half of all the abortions in the world being unsafe.
2: Which makes me crazy because Mm -hmm. it is such an easy and safe procedure, as all the Caustic Soda listeners will know, Mm -hmm. because they listened to the abortion episode.
1: Hysteria is removed from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders.
0: 1989. When did my uterus stop wandering?
1: <laughs> <laughs> when did it finally come home to stay?
2: I think it's in my shoulder right now. I know how to cure that, but I'll let you know later. I <laughs> <laughs> promise. Yeah. Uh, I would say the 70s.
1: 1980. Ooh. Ugh. So before that, wandering uter- uterus is all around, affecting our mental health willy nilly. Uh, women compete in their first Olympic
0: Games. 19 something whenever the four-year period 60s
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm going earlier i'm going in the 1920s ancient
0: greece (laughs) oh
1: oh prices right both fail 1900
0: oh oh so this was
1: the game in games in paris uh which by the way were a very confusing games and even some of the athletes weren't sure 100% 100% which of the events were part of the games and which were just part of the Paris um, International Exhibition. But they were able to compete in golf, tennis, and croquet, very important Olympic mm-hmm. sports. You can mm-hmm. see where the confusion might come in. They uh, got to hit a lot of balls. Yeah, You can
2: hit balls, but you can't run a marathon, ladies. Well, and this
1: <laughs> these games were actually only the second one of the modern Olympic games, which I found surprising. Um, and no women had competed in the inaugural Modern Games, as the head of the IOC thought that their inclusion would be, quote, impractical, uninteresting, unaesthetic, and incorrect.
0: Random fun sports fact on a related note is that women used to be barred from figure skating, which is what we think of now today as one of the most feminine sports. And uh, But it was considered that it was too classy for ladies. And now the scoring system for figure skating is such that the highest score for women can never exceed the highest score for men because men get to do a longer program and harder components. It's the
1: quads, isn't it? They're saying that men have the bigger quads.
0: Bigger, bigger quads and that they can handle skating for like 30 seconds longer. Yeah, the fact that a
2: woman can, you know, and not all women can give birth. So, you know, let's be clear. But the fact that a woman
0: can push a baby out of her uterus. For like eight or nine hours or longer.
1: longer. <laughs> Tested that shit out. Yeah. That's legit.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Means that just skating around is exhausting.
1: Women were granted the first PhDs from Princeton, NYU, and Harvard. 1920s? Late 1800s.
2: 1960s. wow.
1: Harvard was founded in 1636, (gasps) Princeton in 1746, NYU in
0: 1831, and they didn't start handing out those PhDs to the lady folk until the 1960s. Well, a lot of them refused to matriculate. Like, women could get master's degrees, and they could teach with those for quite a while, but then uh, they started upping the requirements, and only men had PhDs. In the UK? The traditional right of a husband to inflict moderate corporal punishment
1: on his wife in order to keep her, quote, within the bounds of duty, was removed. 1970s. Well, at least we have some air of optimism to end on. Thank goodness it was in 1891. Oh, phew. And that concludes our pop quiz. Who won? (laughs) Well, Who's keeping score?
2: (laughs) I don't, I think we all lost, really. (laughs) In the history. In various ancient societies, especially the Stone Age, women held many equal positions with men. Women in ancient Egypt and women of the Anglo-Saxon era were also a commonly afforded equal status. So it wasn't always bad. So the question there is, is it just that there were no
1: elevated statuses, like everyone was basically in the shithole <laughs> because everybody had such
0: a hard ho- road to hoe?
2: They didn't hoe yet.
0: <laughs> that made it so much harder. Well, I mean, I think it was in a lot of those uh, cultures that um, the role of gatherer is often like, kind of demeaned when we talk about hunter-gatherer, but it actually was the way more reliable food source. So it women in those cultures had a lot more respect for the work that they were putting in.
2: You know, and I think it's important to talk about, it's okay to have different roles, that mm. each person can have a different role in a relationship. It's when we associate power or status with a role that it starts to become sexist. Mm-hmm. So by a person saying, I'm going to care for this child, isn't necessarily in and of itself a bad thing. In fact, it's great. That's how we continue as a species. It's and actually very en- important.
1: encouraged to look after their kids.
2: Please do so. Yes. It's when we... We say that that role isn't important, that it becomes sexist. So it's not necessarily that any one thing is great or bad. It's when we attach the power to it. Word. After the adoption of agriculture, after these
0: ladies started rowing their hose, in their rows. It's really hard to say. Rose before hose. <laughs> like the agricultural implement, I did not just use that. Actually, it's a hose before rows. <laughs>
2: let me start again after the adoption of agriculture and sedentary cultures the concept that one gender was inferior to the other was established most often this was imposed upon women and girls Examples of sexism in the ancient world include written laws preventing women from participating in the political process. Women, For example, women in ancient Rome could not vote or hold political office. Is that because they thought they f- couldn't
1: physically hold them? Is this another one of those bicep issues?
2: I think they thought that they, weren't, they didn't have the brains to hold them. Oh. Also, women didn't have citizenship, so they weren't considered people. Is that
0: true? Basically, all that I know about Rome, I learned from watching Rome, the HBO show. So I'm probably not your best source, although I did hear that the togas were very authentic.
1: I can say that it's true in a really confident voice.
2: Actually, Roman women had a limited form of citizenship. So though they, women of a certain status were held in high regard, they couldn't vote or stand office.
0: So they technically weren't
2: citizens, unless you're rich and then you could pay. For things to happen.
0: Women in the tribes of the Iroquois Confederacy held important roles in a matrilineal system. When a man and woman got married, the man moved into the woman's house with her family, and the children, mem- or the children became members of her clan. Land was held collectively by the women, and women were essential for food production. However, European colonization and the influence of Christian missionaries eroded indigenous women's status in the Iroquois Confederacy and many other First Nations. You know, I think we can say, like, we can really visibly see, you know, and this is where
2: caussic soda becomes unfunny but we can we can see a lot of that the impacts of colonization and how the value of first nations women has been um, eroded in our societies through the rates of violence that aboriginal or native women experience in the united states as well as the lack of action on missing murdered women in canada absolutely an example of that is my family's lakota and so my great-grandma was matrilineal and she did not see descendants is being traced through the patrilineal line of the male, And so when my grandfather was like, who's my dad? She was like, I don't know. doesn't matter. And so when he went out and was taken into a residential school, that became a huge issue for him because people were saying, who's your father? Where his mother was saying, why do you care? Why is that important? Because in her tradition, it wasn't important at all.
1: What I want to know is what the matrilineal mother-in-law must have been like. Like, if we have our patrilineal mother-in-laws that every once in a while we have issues with, you got to wonder, like, given that extra elevated status, what kind of uh, new frustrations that a matrilineal uh, mother-in-law must have inflicted upon her her new son-in-law?
2: Until the 20th century, a U.S. and English law observed the system of coverture. Coverture was a legal doctrine whereby, upon marriage, a woman's legal rights and obligations were subsumed by those of her husband. An unmarried woman had the right to own property and make contracts in her own name.
1: See, this seems like progress to me. So her obligations were subsumed by those of her husband. Fantastic! Like, man, I told that dude over there that I would mow his lawn every week. Your business now, sir. And <laughs> man, I still have to go and like you know hoe all these rows and plant all these crops and harvest and gather and whatever else I was doing. Your business. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sit and watch Rome.
0: definitely would have had those benefits i guess (laughs) even if you couldn't sign contracts or cash checks or things like that
2: or if your husband could still legally beat you because as soon as you started to not hoe those rows (laughs) throw those hoes
1: What would rowing a hoe look like? I think if we get a clear picture of this, we might actually be able to use this phrase. I
0: think we need a logo depiction of this.
1: Actually, you know what? It's going to come up in pop culture. There's a scene where people are rowing
2: prostitutes across a river, and I
1: feel like that is rowing (laughs) hoes.
2: U.S. women were not legally defined as persons until 1875. So let's be clear that a lot of folks weren't defined as persons under this law. So although uh, women weren't legally defined as persons, a lot of other folks fell under that um, because of various um, identities and various laws around who was a person and who was a citizen, such as in Rome. Sexism often intersects or aligns with other forms of discrimination to make it a real quagmire for folks to um, to navigate. And often we call that we use that the word oppression just to kind of cover that whole all those isms that we're we're not super into.
0: Totally. Like in Canada, we often celebrate Persons Day, which is the day that uh, the famous five women won the case that determined that women were persons under Canadian law. Um, But it. We often forget that First Nations women in Canada um, took way longer to get the vote than white Canadian women, and so these achievements weren't always equality for everyone. So
2: First Nations women in Canada could not vote, As all First Nations people in Canada um, living on reserve could not vote until 1960. And then we have other kind of ways that impacted people. So folks with um, disabilities were not allowed to vote until the 80s. Develop- folks with developmental disabilities. Mm. We're not Oh, to I was just
1: going to say that's when they installed the ramps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ramps to equality. <laughs> the glass ramp. I think elevator works too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I I mean I picture like Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator and like the women all get in the elevator and they press the buttons and then they go into space.
1: And then the person in the wheelchair is just sitting on the ground being like,
0: dude, they totally took my elevator. (laughs) They could have just taken the stairs. And that is basically why we need intersectionality so we don't leave people behind.
2: So women in parts of the world continue to lose legal rights at marriage. Uh, Yemeni marriage regulations state that the wife must obey her husband and must must not leave home without his permission and in Afghanistan a wife who leaves her marital home risks, risks being imprisoned for running away And many former British colonies, including India, maintain the concept of restitution of conjugal rights, under which a wife may be ordered by court to return to her husband. And if she fails to do so, she may be held in contempt of court. So kind of coming back to some of those impacts of colonization, that's another impact of colonization, and no accident that this is happening in former British colonies. Colonization. Not as fun as it sounds.
0: Well, I feel like it's fun for some of the parties. (laughs) I I think probably one woman that really benefited from it was Queen Victoria. And then after that, not so many. And think of all the things we got out of it, like the white wedding gown. Thank goodness. What would we do? Mm -hmm. What would we do? So is there such a thing as reverse sexism? Yes.
1: No. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. I don't know because you're not moving your face.
0: Uh, The short answer is no. Uh, Efforts to assist minorities uh, and women to achieve parity are sometimes labeled as reverse discrimination. Uh, For example, if you want to um, recruit 50% of women to your software project, some people might say that's reverse sexism. Wait,
1: that's a quarter of the world's population. 50% of women?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a really big software project. It's a global (laughs) software project literally every single person in the world and you're going to say 50% of them have to be women. (laughs) Okay.
1: I was so angry I started destroying the studio.
0: Okay. So, you know, but if you're just say you're hiring a group of people and you want to try and make sure that you have 30% women or 50% women, um, then some people might say that's not fair because you're taking spots away from men. So the first problem, it goes back to what we were talking about about systemic sexism, is that there are these systems in place that reinforce male dominance or privilege. Um, And when that gets eroded that might be seen as reverse sexism. But in fact, that's just equality happening.
2: Well, signs of equality happening, I think, you know, what's amazing to me, and I think that we (laughs) often forget this, is that there are concrete signs of like equality happening. So the first woman in Canada to mention uh, violence against women in um, the House of Commons, which is Canada's legislature, was laughed at, Mm -hmm. was laughed at when she said that this is happening. And that was in
0: 1982. Margaret Mitchell, shout out,
2: Ooh. And now we have concrete laws. So what we have, you know, and I think that's a really good example of, like, you know, what is an individual action and what is a systemic action. So Margaret Mitchell standing up and saying, this is happening. You guys need to do something about that is an individual action. But a systemic action is something like the justice system instituting laws that um, make violence against women illegal. And the police system acting on that.
0: Yeah. So basically, like, women can absolutely make slurs that about men's gender and yeah that's like not a very nice thing to do but it doesn't have that effect of reinforcing this institutional uh, of changing the institutional power relationship in our society um there's the margaret atwood quote men are are afraid of mo- most afraid of women laughing at them and women are most afraid that men will kill them that this is like the difference of like the worst thing a woman can do to a man in our society versus the worst thing a man can do to a woman is so hugely disproportionate
1: wow she totally never read anything but the Borges. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Claims of reverse sexism are often disproportionate or are used to obscure larger problems. And they're often used to derail conversations or silence women. Many feminists argue that what some men call reverse sexism is actually just the sexism, sexist system. Uh, impacting men, um, and backfiring. So, for example, um, a claim that I often hear from men's rights activists on my blog is that it's horrible that you can see female privilege by the fact that men die in wars more than women, and that is sexism against men, that men are off fighting in wars. In fact... As we talked about earlier, women had to really fight to be allowed in combat roles, and even now there's huge inequality in the military. Plus, women did not set up the system of the military. The way that it got set up that way is because we have this gender division that says men are supposed to be masculine and tough and violent, and women are supposed to be at home and taken care of and protected. So it just kind of, it works against both genders in that situation. And newsflash, sexism impacts men too. So yeah. we see that in a lot of different ways
2: that men are impacted by sexism, or I'm going to say the p-word, the patriarchy. So wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Yes,
1: their elbow muscles sustain more injuries from opening doors.
2: Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of that is when we talk about how men are impacted by the military or joining or or kind of that protector role. The other way that we often see men being impacted is by not being able to display or show emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, So a man crying is a very rare thing, um, especially in a public setting. And that makes me cry for the men.
1: And you're allowed (laughs) by society. (laughs) But that's not fair. So you shouldn't. But they shouldn't. I'm
0: confused. Let's all cry.
1: So men can be sexist. Men can be sexist against men by accident. Men women can, can be women can be women sexist. Can
0: have sexist prejudice against men. Men can have sexist prejudice against men. But the system of sexism is, by and large, a power system that disadvantages and oppresses women as compared to men. So we're all p- impacted but ladies got it worse. Yeah, and if you think that there's reverse sexism going on, it is either the unequal system correcting itself or it is actually just the normal system of sexism backfiring on men. Or sometimes it's just people
2: being shitty and there's no power at play. They're just assholes. Are we
0: allowed to swear on caustic soda? Very, very,
3: very loudly.
0: (laughs) Assholes! (laughs) Assholes!
3: Tell you about them sobbing women who lived in the Roman days. It seems that they all went swimming while their men was off to graze. Well, a Roman troop was riding by and saw them in their me oh my. So they took them all back home to dry. At least that's what Plutarch says. Oh, yes, them women was sobbing, 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 fit to be tied. Every muscle was throbbing, throbbing from that riotous ride. Seems they cried and kissed and kissed and cried all over that Roman countryside. So don't forget that when you're taking a bride, sobbing, fit to be tied from that riotous ride. They never did return their plunder The victor gets all the loot They carried them home By thunder, to rotunda, Small but cute And you never seen, so they tell me Such downright domesticity With a Roman baby On each knee named Claudius And Brute, oh yes And the women was sobbing, sobbing, sobbing Passing them nights While the Romans was going Out, hop, knobbing, up Fights, they kept occupied by sowing lots of little old togies for them tots and saying someday women folks will have rights over nights just sowing while the Romans had fights now when the men folk went to fetch them the women would not be fetched it seems when the Romans catch them their lady friends they catch Right now let this be because it's true A lesson to The likes of you Wrap them up Like them Their romans do Or else They'll think You're touched. Oh yes And the women Was sobbing, 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 Pockets of tears Mighty sad On the count of Old Dobbin Dobbin Really rattled Their ears And that ain't all Oh they acted Angry and annoyed But secretly They was overjoyed You might recall That When corralling Your steers oh, oh 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 them poor little saben oh, yes, women problem, oh, problem, yes, no them women. We'll just like oh, yes, them women. Wimble, oh, yes, them sabem women. sabem 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 They'll be sabem sabem sabem
1: As we've sort of alluded to, uh, there are lots of women's health issues that sexism actually is entwined with, especially when we talk about um, sort of the coverage that people are uh, afforded in different countries for different health issues, as well as the medical attention that's been paid to different uh, health issues that might be more or less related to women throughout history. However, if there's going to be a quintessential disease of the woman... I think we have to say that it is, in fact, hysteria. My womb! So uh, hysteria has a wide range of symptoms, including faintness, insomnia, fluid retention, heaviness in the abdomen, muscle spasm, shortness of breath, irritability, loss of appetite for food or sex, and, quote, a tendency to cause trouble.
0: Oh. Oh, I got I got that big time. I've had hysteria for a long time.
1: So in ancient Egypt in around 1900 BCE the Dahun papyrus which I'm probably totally butchering the the pronunciation on identifies the cause of hysterical disorders as spontaneous uterus movement within the female body so in ancient egypt we we would cased it we would got it figured out that uterus is moving throughout the body in 1600 bce don't ask me why it took 300 years to figure this out um, if we already knew the uterus was moving around but another papyrus describes treatment depending on where the uterus has moved to so Step one in the diagnosis process this is this is ancient ancient house He has his team mm. figure out has the uterus moved up or has the uterus moved down? It's lupus. I would feel like the uterus would move up most of the time just statistically there's more room up.
2: Then down if the uterus has where moved down would it go would it, it's, it's into like, your leg this is what i'm trying to figure is this out like when you're hungry as a kid and your your parent or, or guardian kind of says oh they have a hollow leg mm-hmm. where are you keeping all that food so like with my uterus where are like, you keeping all that uterus would my uterus like sometimes hang out in my thigh i think maybe yes yeah. i don't like, know if it would want to go all the way down to my feet
1: although based on the treatment we might postulate that it could only go as down as far as like your vaginal labia but we'll see so if the uterus had moved oh it will
2: just fall out because here's the thing
1: (laughs) if the uterus has moved this is why you wear tight pants ladies If the uterus has moved up, the treatment is to put really stinky shit under your nose and sweep smelling stuff at your vagina. And that will help sort of coax the uterus back down to its Mm. position and vice versa. So if you think that the uterus has moved down.
2: Maybe other people down to that position as well. There we go. Oh. Whereas if the
1: uterus has moved down, you put something stank down (laughs) down by your lady parts. And you scare it away. And you put lovely smelling things up at your nose. So if you are, in fact, um, a human who smells with their nose uh, and are being diagnosed with hysteria, you're crossing your fingers that that doctor (laughs) is figuring out that that uterus has moved down. So you get the nice smelling stuff in your actual olfactory organs. (laughs) So in ancient Greece, the Argonaut Melampus treated Argos virgins who had fled to the mountains in a bout of hysteria by treating them with hellebore, Uh, and then having them copulate with young and strong men. Go virgins, go. He then said that their madness was derived from their uterus being poisoned by venomous humors due to lack of orgasm and uterine melancholy.
2: Do you know what makes me melancholy? Lack of
1: orgasm. (laughs) I'm just trying to make the, like, uterine sad (laughs) face. I'm trying to figure out how you would diagnose melancholy in the uterus. (laughs) Of the lips, it's easier, right? Like downturned. Hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I think you look and you see, like if it's a bluish color, you look. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) ancient
1: Greeks. I'm just gonna slice you open here and see how happy your uterus looks.
0: Okay, bad idea.
1: (laughs) There weren't a lot of treatments. Did you really need them at that point? A lot of funerals, not a lot of
0: treatments. It's like the witch trials. (laughs) We know you have it because you're dead. (laughs) We just put you on a river and see if you sink. (laughs) Well, it's one way to make sure that
1: the uterus is definitely melancholy.
0: Mm -hmm. So Plato argues
1: that the uterus is sad and unfortunate when it doesn't get any, especially when no new life is conceived. Uh, So apparently women suffering from hysteria could be treated effectively with wine and orgies.
2: Oh, sweet. So again... I think I have hysteria. Mm-hmm. Well, so this is not the last time
1: in history that many women would claim to have hysteria to be treated for that condition. Uh, it's it's kind of funny that, I mean, I've, I've looked into a lot of uh, sort of very old-timey thoughts on um, different conditions and the treatments that were done at different points in history, and they tend to change a lot more than for hysteria, maybe because hysteria isn't a real thing <laughs> like maybe that's why maybe it's easier to change your your treatments for a condition that actually exists but i mean from ancient greece onward we've, we've basically been on the like yep uterus is sad it decides to move around and uh, i don't know thinking that maybe there's some sex to be had up by the throat or the shoulder and uh, the treatment for this is going to be some good good times Doctors today are such a bummer. So Hippocrates in the 5th century BCE was the first to use the term hysteria. So the female body, he figured out, was sort of generally agreed upon at the time, is cold and wet and therefore prone to putrefaction of the humors. Uh, This is compared to the male body, which was characterized by being hot and dry. So if a woman is not sexually active or fertile for whatever reason, the uterus produces toxic fumes and then wanders about the body. Hmm. So then uh, we get to move to the Middle Ages in Europe and our dear friend St. Thomas Aquinas. And if anyone would like to read some things that might get them angry, I would suggest that you read that whether you know you (laughs) care about animals or women or you know just just general well-being in general you might want to pick up some good Aquinas. so women were considered wholly inferior and this is a consequence of sin stemming from the original sin and this wound up in the medical concept of the humors as well so many leading scholars attributed black bile which is one of the four basic humors um to, and is responsible for melancholy to be derived from original sin. And thus the treatments for hysteria uh, were basically punishments. So they might be treated with, you know, torture or exorcism uh, to be able to punish the sin that was causing the hysteria.
2: What I'm noticing here is that hysteria is actually the act of refusing men. Is that not? Because it basically it sounds like from your description that hysteria is like, I don't want to get married to you. Or I don't want to get married. Or just being generally sassy.
1: Yeah. Also. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. yeah. Saying, saying no sex, no marriage, no whatever, or just or, or no just sex you know. with you specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't that woman want me? I'm Gaston. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Belle got out of that one lucky, I guess. No one shoots like Gaston. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one lays down like Gaston. So in the Malleus Maleficarum in 1486, it lays out ways to seek out and punish sorcery. And depression and hysteria were considered supernatural in nature at that time. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the work of the devil was working within the weak female form. And the devil causes melancholy that deprives women of confession and forgiveness, leading them to commit suicide.
2: Yeah. So ladies, if you're unhappy with your situation... It's not you recognizing reality. It's just you being hysterical.
1: And the devil working through you because you're weak, making you hysterical.
2: (laughs) And
0: because apparently the devil can't
1: be removed, then you should be punished for having the devil work through your weakness.
0: And you can tell these women by the fact that they live with cats instead of guys. They probably didn't shave their armpits either. Oh, yeah.
1: And now we get to move on to the Renaissance. And like so many... Things that sounds good. in our histories yes it does sound good we move into a whole new era of trading hysteria because at the turn of the 17th centuries midwives took care of hysterical women by introducing the fingers into their genital organs in order to stimulate orgasm and semen production so Wait. women
2: produce semen
1: yeah and it mixes with the male semen and that's sex we figured that we figured out some some other stuff later.
0: Oh, okay. But the I bottom line... I conflicted about if I want to be hysterical anymore.
1: So instead of, you know, having the priest exercise you for hysteria, you now have the midwife diddle you.
2: I would I'm, rather have the midwife than the priest. Yeah. If, I'm, if, if this is a would you rather, I'm choosing the midwife.
0: This yeah. is a good time. This is yeah. a good time in history. It's we not got from, as good as the wine and orgies, but it's pretty good. Got more choice with the orgies. I feel like the orgies also would
1: have, like at that period in time, had some lice issues and different Mm. stuff. So Mm. the midwives, they knew a little bit more of what they were doing when it came to the sterility.
2: You mean ancient Rome isn't like the TV show Rome
1: (laughs) based on (laughs) our (laughs) research? Moving into the modern age, then hysteria was considered a disease of the brain and nerves rather than the uterus. It stopped wandering. But the classical thinking persisted with respect to, you know, women, women be crazy. Um, so the Victorian smelling salts, for example, were um, some thought still trying to force the room- womb back to its place in the body, even though it had already sort of moved out of thinking that the womb was the main cause of this. Um, but moving into the 19th century, we brought back brought back those midwives, but they'd already their practice in great part had been taken over by doctors, leading to the development, as many of us might know, of the vibrator. So, again, we have the, the women being super excited to call themselves hysterical and come back to the doctor again and again and again and again, filling his pockets
2: and giving his hand a little cramp. <laughs> Poor guy. Out of horrible, horrible things. We get a wonderful machine.
1: Out of necessity is born invention. And, you know, those that carpal tunnel that maybe wasn't quite uh, diagnosed as such at the time was a real drain and, and causing the doctors to not be able to bring in as many patients, as many dollars... For this wonderful treatment. And so from that, we we get the vibrator. A face massager. Mm. Later. (laughs) Stop being
0: acceptable slightly later. At first, it was just like, yep, this is a vibrator. (laughs) You bring that shit home, ladies. Although you had to um, often be married to get one. Really? Yeah. A license, if you were. Yeah, like you had to prove that you were married in order to buy one. Because... If you
2: got one, why would you get married? (laughs) (laughs)
1: so from wandering wombs good question to vibrating clitorises
0: we have the history of hysteria
3: next time in part two
0: enslaving men and forcing them to wear 1980s figure skating outfits so basically like right now outside the studio (laughs) this is what's happening
2: I'm in love with Space MacGyver.
1: Oh, yeah. So added to a man's food or drink, that man will become inexorably bound to the menstruating woman. Until you tell him what the shit you did to him.
3: <laughs> it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside and when you wake up, startle to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. And all the zoos are feelings you know that we'll new. be back when the week is new, and we'll have more gross facts for you, and you'll have things you want to hear about. We will.
2: Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being sewn up in a bear skin. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes, visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast, and email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. (sweak)
1: I'm coming back to socializing your fetus,
0: <laughs> so, like having play dates. So that's like you know those people who play Mozart to their stomachs when they're pregnant. But that's not socialization.
1: That's just sort of like it's culturalization. Some kind of, yeah, educated. Socialization. You, I've learned you need groups. Okay, so
2: so you can't just you can't just put like Star Trek headphones and be like, I want a baby that understands equality. Star Trek.
0: No, you gotta, um, yeah. you gotta have
1: play dates and have your fetus go visit someone else's <laughs> fetus. And like... So
0: well, I think what you do is that you get at least three pregnant women and you stand in a circle with your stomachs touching. I'm gonna bring up medieval art. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> because there's a bunch of paintings in medieval art of, of um, John the Baptist in womb talking to baby Jesus in womb. It's like oh. talking to each other. So I think maybe fetuses need playdates. And this is how We established Christianity. You know,
1: Mary had a lot of shit going down.